Welcome to the Endless Wealth Podcast. I'm a mama of two little ones, owner of a multi seven-figure real estate portfolio, and I'm your host, Sarah Miskelly. My mission is to show ambitious, high-performing women in business how they can stop chasing money at work and start making passive cash flow and build wealth from real estate investing. Just be ready because with the right ideas and advice me and my phenomenal guests will share in each episode, you will see things differently than you ever thought possible. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Today we are talking about taxes. So I personally find this subject really boring (laughs) and I don't like doing my taxes. I'm not a numbers person and I know that's not something you're supposed to say uh, because I can do well with numbers when I sit down and apply myself, but I just don't enjoy it. I find it extremely tedious. There's things I would much rather be doing and that I'm much more uh, powerful and proficient at. However, I digress. Uh, I didn't want to share too much hatred for taxes at the beginning of this show, but I really have been exploring the tax implications of not finding ways to offset your income. And I meet so many people in the investing space, uh, people who are high earners as well. And they're really challenged by that double-edged sword of making a lot of money and being somebody who excels and works really, really hard. And you should be receiving advantages of that, right? You know, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're creating opportunities um, with jobs and making a difference in society, essentially, from your outputs. And then you turn around and you're getting heavy, heavy taxes. Uh, I know when I was a realtor, for example, I went uh, from about 100000 my first year. And then in my fourth year, I was making 400000 And it felt amazing. But then when I would do my taxes, you know, I was looking at one fifty, two hundred in taxes. And it really makes you feel sometimes like, what is the point here? <laughs> like, why am I working so hard? Um, there was a day when I went to my friend's house, beautiful summer day. And we went to hang out at her pool. And... She was a cool friend I'd known for a while, really different paths in life. And she worked in a um, nightclub environment and she was making a lot of cash and working like four days a week. She had two kids and really, you know, enjoying her free time. Like she worked her four days, she worked long shifts, um, but she had a lot of time during the day to sit with me at the pool, for example, and to spend with her kids. They were young at the time. And we were talking about our earnings and, you know, I was having success in my real estate career. And I I think she was interested in that and wanted to learn more. And we started to talk about, um, you know, how much we were actually taking home. And I had been you know, pretty open about my earnings. And she had asked, oh, okay, well, like how much do you take home from that? And at the time, I think I was making around 300,000. And I was like, oh, you know, I make 300K and I pay about like, you know, 120 in tax. So like 170-ish, you know, that I'm taking home. And I kid you not, her jaw dropped. And I think I could see see the wheels turning in her head. She's like, damn, like... I'm doing okay, you know, maybe I don't have a flashy job like you, but like I am doing okay because the reality is she was making majority cash and her earnings were probably similar to mine at a way lower 
um, working hours. And, you know, there's a lot of advantages to the career path I was on, you know, growth, scaling opportunities and all that. But really what I want to talk about today is just the, the ways that when you make more money, you really need to start getting more proficient and creative with your tax strategies and figuring out how can you keep more of that hard-earned money in your pocket. And this is why there are a lot of high earners in the syndication space. And that is because they know that they need to find a way to offset their income using the advantages of real estate. So in today's episode, I really want to share with you two things. Firstly, is how the money you earn from syndications is taxed, and then also the actual tax benefits of apartment syndications. So real estate syndication income is taxed as passive income. So the IRS considers all activity in real estate, rentals, real estate as passive. And what you can do with this passive income is you can actually use it to offset other passive income. And that's one of the benefits of apartment syndication specifically that I will talk about in this episode. And I just want to preface all of this as well as I am not a tax professional by any means. So I would definitely want you to consult with somebody who's proficient in that field to give you better clarity on your situation but I am sharing today about some of kind of the most common ways that apartment syndications can benefit people in terms of taxation. So just a little side note, um, but basically what will happen is you'll receive a K-1 statement. Um, Those can sometimes be delayed when you're in apartment syndication, so keep that in mind. And this will kind of show you the income, losses, deductions, and credits that you'd get from the syndication. So in that Uh, statement, if it says that you made money, you would pay the marginal tax rate on that amount. Uh, But if that number is negative, which it usually is because of the benefits I'm going to talk about in this episode, then you won't owe anything, which is amazing. So the big thing with syndications is the tax benefits you get are like running a business. Now, because multifamily is an asset and is run like a business, you are providing housing and jobs and, and, you know, employment for service providers and contractors. So that business is being taxed in a different way and gives you different tax advantages. So in apartment syndication specifically, there are three really big ones. There's another few uh, smaller, more unique ones, but these are the ones that are the most applicable for everyone that gets involved. And the first one is depreciation. So there's always going to be like wear and tear in a property, right? So, you know, washing machines break down, um, roofs, they they break down, uh, windows, um, basically anything like paint, anything that has to do with, you know, a living uh, person living in a building and the components of that structure. So the IRS allows the building itself, not the land, but the building itself to depreciate over 27.5 years, generally for multifamily property. Now, 
the thing that you can do is there is a way to actually accelerate accelerate that depreciation. And accelerated depreciation is a tax strategy that will allow the operators of that multifamily asset in addition to the investors, so the limited partners in that transaction to take a larger deduction of the costs of that property over a shorter period of time. And what this does is it reduces the taxable income and increases the cash flow. And how this process works is you would get a third-party engineer to come in and they provide a very, very detailed analysis called the cost segregation analysis. And in this report, it will identify all of the assets in that property and then separate them into different categories and each of those categories has its own particular depreciation schedule and what happens is owners can now take advantage of the shorter depreciation periods of certain assets so for example appliances or carpets those can be depreciated over five to seven years instead of that typical 27.5 year holds and because of this the owners can take that accelerated depreciation now against their taxable income which boosts the cash flow so let's look at this in real numbers because i find that's always a lot more helpful Okay, so let's just say you could write off like 15 to 25% of the purchase price in the first year. So if that property is 10 mil, you could then get 2 mil in paper losses. So paper losses would be because this isn't a real loss, like an actual depreciation. It's just the depreciated loss that's being written down that we're using for these tax benefits. So if you as an investor have put in 100K, you could write off that 100K against other passive income. Remember, not your active job income, there's a big difference, but other passive income, which I'm going to keep talking about this so you can understand it really, really clearly. Now, only people who can qualify as a real estate professional, which is a whole other conversation that I'm not going to get into now, they could write it off against their W-2 income. But for now, let's just focus on it can be written off against passive income. Remember that. Two is where you carry over passive losses. So let's go back to our example here. So you invest in 100K and let's just say there are 80,000 in depreciable paper losses. So if you that year made 5,000 in passive cash flow from distributions, you would then have 75,000 negative on your K1 tax form, okay? Because there was 80K, you had the 5K in passive cash flow. Now there's negative 75,000 on the tax form that you can carry over year after year in this indication. Generally, it's about a five to seven year hold. So that 75,000 negative could be carried over. What that looks like as an investor is you will not pay tax on the distributions during that five to seven year hold period because those losses are way higher than the cash flow. Amazing. <laughs> like it's so cool once you really understand how big these benefits are. Uh, so number three was cash out refinance. Let's say you're a limited partner, so you're investing in the syndication. And when you bought the building and you, like, you invested, the operators purchased a building with you, it was five million. And it's three years later and it's gone up to 10 mil which sounds great. <laughs> 
Don't know if that's happening in this market, but it was a couple years ago. Um, and then the operators would refinance and they'd put a 7 mil loan on the property, which would pay out the original 5 mil loan. So what happens is there's 2 million that can get distributed to the investors in the deal. This is the cool part. So because that 2 million is a loan, there is no tax because a loan is not considered a is is considered a debt, not a gain. So it's not a gain from an investment, it was just a debt put on. So a refinance is a really great way for an investor to receive capital from a liquidity event like a refinance at the property tax free. So overall, key takeaways here is real estate syndications can really help keep more of your hard-earned money in your pocket. And that's critical. You know, you want to spend money on things that matter to you, not necessarily, you know, always going to taxes. I know that, you know, the more money that you can really keep in your pocket, you could then put it towards something that you cared about, right? So if there's a charity that you're interested in, you'll have the opportunity to take that cash and do what you want with it instead of it going to a lot of the wasteful bureaucratic structures that exist. I'm not talking about roads or libraries. I'm talking about, you know, the the waste of our tax dollars in large quantities in many levels, but, you know, maybe not something we need to speak about right now. Um, but really syndications can give investors that, that true passivity of their investments, but at the same time, give these huge advantages tax-wise to actually being the owner of a real estate asset without having to do all the hard work like managing tenants, you know, scoping out investment properties, you know, being a slave to getting good Airbnb reviews, just all the things that come with owning a property. And I speak from somebody who knows because I own smaller multifamilies that are a drain, um, but I do love the appreciation of them and the tax benefits. So that's what I love about syndications. It's really giving you the best, uh, the best of both worlds. So, you know, we really talked about today accelerated depreciation as a tax strategy that allows owners to deduct a large portion of the costs over a short period of time to reduce taxable income, increase cash flow. We also talked about carrying over those passive losses to reduce the tax on your distributions yearly over the lifespan of the investment. And we also finally talked about refinancing, how the money that comes into you as an investor from a refinance is considered a debt, not a gain, which is huge in how it's defined. Thank you for tuning into the Endless Wealth Podcast. If you got value from this week's episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It truly means so much to me to be able to get this information out to more hardworking women like you. Are you a mom in business that wants to learn about alternative investments like self-storage, oil and gas, ATMs, and their huge benefits? Then you'll definitely want to attend the Moms Alternative Investing Summit on September 21 and 22. It's completely free, so bring a friend, virtual as well. Go to momsinvestsummit.com to register. The expert guests will blow your algorithm on what's possible in investing. I am so excited to have you.